you go and do likewise. You see, the ultimate demonstration of mercy is seen in God's saving action. That while you and I were still sinners, Christ died. You hear me? You didn't deserve it. And if He gave us what we deserve, we get condemnation and hell. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is amazing grace. That is a grace of mercy. That is merciful. You see, God didn't just look at you and go, Oh sinner, condemned. You deserve to be condemned. You have broken the bar of justice. You have transgressed the law. God did not just look and shed a tear and say, well, I hope the best for those sinners. No, God was moved to do something. God became man and took on human flesh and walked a road of suffering all the way to Calvary's cross so that He could take the pain that you deserve, sinner, the pain that you earned, and He took it upon Himself that you might be freed from your wretched and miserable condition. That is the Gospel. Hallelujah. (laughs) That is the Gospel. That is what... Jesus did. And we likewise, because we have experienced that mercy, must in some way extend that mercy to those who are also our enemies, whom Jesus told us to love. Boy, that's radical. Wow. You see, we are will be compelled to show mercy. We're not perfect with this mercy. We struggle with this mercy. And we will never, ever, ever be satisfied with the amount of mercy we show. Matter of fact, somebody that is growing in Christ and is growing to reflect mercy will feel like the the less merciful they are, the more they grow. Because the more they grow, the more they see that they are not. That they are not like Christ. Nevertheless, we lean into that. And we grow in that. Now mercy, still talking about what this mercy is. This mercy, on one end, it is what? It is, it is compassion in action. Okay? Uh, it's compassion in action. But then on the other end, mercy is also forgiving. That's what the Scripture teaches. Mercy is forgiving. Not only does mercy convey the message of active compassion, but it is intimately intertwined with the issue of forgiveness. The merciful man is a person who extends forgiveness towards those who have wronged him. That's what God did. 
forgive as Christ has forgiven you. That's not easy. Human flesh wants justice for everybody except itself. Religious flesh wants the gavel to come down for everybody except for itself. The regenerate man and woman trembles at the thought. Because you realize you deserve the wrath of God. You deserve it. We see a beautiful, beautiful picture of mercy and the forgiveness of mercy in the life of Joseph. In Genesis, if you recall in Genesis, Joseph's brothers intended to kill him. They were jealous of him. They wanted to kill him. They ended up selling him off to a caravan of Ishmaelites. They thought they had just... I mean, that's so cold, just rid their hands of Joseph. Just throw him off. <laughs> you want me to tell you what human nature would say? Let me get back at them guys. You throw me in a pit, I'm going to teach you! <laughs> that's human nature. You want me to tell you, I'm, can I be transparent with you, man? You want me to tell you where I need to learn a lot of mercy? I need to grow with mercy behind the wheel. Because when somebody does something stupid on the road, I think I'm going to teach them a lesson. When I do stupid things too. I really, I struggle with that. I have to grow in that. Guys, that's not Christ-like. Not my place. Let the authorities do that. It's what the police are for. I'm not the local cop. Neither are you. Now, Joseph. <laughs> How's it going to go down when he's re reunited with his brothers? In Genesis chapter 50. What, what, what happens? This, this amazes me. This is so rare. Listen to this. We'll begin reading in verse 15. It said, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back. You know why they thought that? Because that's what they would have done. That's why they thought that. They were projecting their own feelings on him. Joseph will hate us and he'll pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. They know they did evil. You understand? They did evil. It was evil relationally and it was evil in the sight of God. It goes on and says, So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept 
when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and they fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And, I, and, and, and let it be known, Joseph didn't know that in the beginning. He couldn't have said that. Hindsight is twenty twenty, okay? But he, this is what he says to him. Do not, so do not fear. I will, listen, this is Joseph. I will provide for you not just you and your little ones. Thus he, this is what Joseph did to these wrongdoers. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Not harshly. <laughs> you can't rip that out of Scripture. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Wow. That is amazing to me. There you see compassion. That is, Joseph wept over them. He wept over their misery. You see action as he met their needs, forgiving and restoring them. You see, the merciful person is merciful like that because they remember their own sin. Yes, your sin may not be the same as what they did, but and it may be different, and it may their sins may be greater, but you realize that before a holy God, the least sin deserves hell. And you tremble. You tremble. Wow. So mercy is compassion and action. Mercy encapsulates forgiveness. So what is Matthew 5, 7 not saying? Let me tell you what it's not saying. And I'll just tell you two things. On one hand, it is not saying, Jesus is not saying that you show mercy in order to receive mercy. Because you you'll, you'll be taking that out of context. And I'm telling you that because there are people that teach that. That's not true. You have to keep things in context. That violates the truth and the reality of grace. It, it violates the reality of the gospel. That is, would be contradictory. That is not what he's saying. You don't, you don't earn the mercy of God. You can't earn mercy. That is antithetical to what mercy is. Mercy is a work of grace. Now, Jesus, second thing is not saying, Jesus is not saying that you wink at sin and evil and ignore the gravity of the sin. And there may be times when the merciful thing for you to do is to go to a brother who has wronged you and, let, and, and tell them how they offended you and rebuke them. Sometimes mercy is Seems hard. Sometimes mercy is tough love in action. It is. 
So Jesus isn't saying you just make light of it. But that's not for you and I to be concerned with. Do you not remember what Joseph said to his brothers? Am I in the place of God? Look, God will deal with you. Vengeance is the Lord's. It's not you to fret over. It's not you to get concerned over. It's not you to be worried about. You're not judged. You yourself shall be judged by the judge judge of the living and the dead. So you need to worry about yourself. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain or receive mercy. Now, what is Matthew 5, 7 saying, positively saying? Well, I've already said what it's positively saying. Somebody says, praise the Lord, he's not going to spend 30 minutes on the third question. (laughs) It is positively saying... That those who have been made objects of the mercy of God will, because of their new nature, demonstrate that same mercy to others. It is mercy. In God's great mercy, Ephesians 2 and verse 4, in God's great mercy, He made us alive while we were yet dead in our sins and our trespasses. Wow. That is amazing. That is amazing. Do you know anything of this mercy? Years ago, I read about a lady by the name of Sue Norton. Have you ever heard the name Sue Norton? Sue Norton's father was brutally murdered. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in her shoes. But I do know that I always tremble when I watch news scenes of families and and they just have such hate toward what happened. Anger. And I understand there's a season and a time for that. But Sue met her father's murderer. Do you know what Sue did? Sue said, and you can Google Sue Norton, father's murder. I think you'll even pull up her story. The guy was actually her stepfather, but it was her father because she didn't have a father growing up. She said, I, because this guy didn't know what she was going to say. He was terrified. She looked at him in his eyes and said, I forgive you. You know why she could do that? She knew the forgiveness of God. And the article goes on to say that she sat with her killer on one occasion and they had a conversation for an hour and not once did she bring up what happened. They talked about the gospel. They talked about truth. I don't 
that amazes me. That amazes me. Do you know anything of this mercy? Jesus is very, very, very clear. And though we may not be at the level of a Sue Norton, and though we may not be at the level of a Joseph, if there is any Holy Spirit in us, we're growing that way. Right? Now, let me close by echoing the words of the late Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Jones says, and I quote him, Let every man examine himself. I'm not asking you what sort of life you're living. I'm not asking you whether you do this, that, or the other. I'm not asking whether you have some general interest in the kingdom of God in His house. I'm simply asking you this. Are you merciful? Are you sorry for every sinner, though every sinner offends you? Have you pity upon all who are victims and dupes of the world, the flesh, and the devil? That is the test. Blessed, happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. End quote. Martin Lloyd-Jones, that is in his series on the Sermon on the Mount, page 1, page 85. I would say to you, if you know nothing of this mercy... I would simply refer to you as a merciless, lost, and condemned sinner. Church, affide you may be. Serving in positions you may be. But I'm sure that the priest and the Levite were too. I'm not interested in your religious outer, external Stuff. Merciless lost sinner, even unto you this day. If that disturbs you, I tell you there is great hope. There is great hope. The hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel. Call on Jesus today. Confess your lack of mercy to Him today. Repent and ask Him for His help today. I would tell you, get into the Scriptures and read not about the judgment of God, though that is needed and you should feel the weight of the judgment you deserve, but read of His merciful actions for sinners and read it and know it and pray to be confirmed for it and realize that He can save and rescue even the most religious, self-sufficient, arrogant, prideful one of you.
He can look at you like He looked at Nicodemus, a Pharisee who knew the Scriptures backwards and forwards. A theological expert under the Old Covenant. And say, you must be born again. And I tell you, that just as Nicodemus was born again, and there's evidence he was born again, so can you be. Amen? That is the hope of the gospel. That is the hope of the gospel. Live your life, church, and I would say this to those of you that are born of God, live your life looking for opportunities to be merciful. You won't have to look far. Somebody's going to upset you. Somebody's going to offend you. Somebody's going to do something before you lay your head down tonight. May even do it before you get out the door. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Hallelujah. It is well with my soul. And I pray that it is well with your soul as well. Because of what Christ has done. And that's the only reason it is well with any soul in this room. Amen and amen. Well, I invite you to take your copy of God's written word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 7. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 7. Now, we've, I was not blessed to be with you guys last week, but you were blessed with Brother Truman uh, being here with you guys. And then for Sundays preceding that, we have kind of been off on a detour. But this morning, we're getting back on track in our journey that we've been taking, that verse-by-verse journey through the Beatitudes in in Matthew chapter 5. And I have given as a title over this passage over this section of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5 as the character of the kingdom. Because these beatitudes that Jesus gives, this introductory portion of Scripture, if, if you will, sort of introductory to the Sermon on the Mount, they encapsulate the character of the heart of the true Christian. If you're part of the kingdom of God, if, if, if you belong to the Lord, then these things that Jesus mentions are descriptions of who we are. Now if your life looks nothing like these, you can't call yourself Christian. But as imperfect as imperfect as they might be, our lives should be leaning in to reflect these in some way. And so this morning, we're coming to the fifth.
characteristic of the true and genuine Christian. And that is contained in that word, mercy. Mercy. Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse number 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they, they alone, will obtain mercy. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before You and we need to hear from You. We don't need to hear from a man. We need to hear from the God-man. We need to hear the voice of Your Spirit speak. And Father, You have spoken in Your Word. Now, Father, I pray that You will speak that Word to our hearts. Lord, I pray that the truth of the text of verse 7 would be a reality in our lives. Father, that we would be those who are happy and approved because we are merciful, Father, because we have been shown mercy from You. Lord Jesus, speak for me. May my words be seasoned with grace and mercy, but may they also come with the power and the authority that only comes through You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. The story is told that there were two brothers. They were twins. They were the best of friends. When they finished college, they decided they wanted to go into business together. They majored in business, so they, in a small southern town, they started this retail business. One day, one of the brothers had a dollar bill that had come from a customer and he set it down on the counter and then he was sort of absent-minded, not unlike your pastor, I suppose, or his son. And he went off to helping another um, customer and sort of forgot about it. And then when he came back, he remembered, he remembered, he remembered after he got through with the customer, he remembered that dollar. So he went to go retrieve the dollar and put it in the register. The dollar wasn't there. So he asked his brother about it, and the brother said he didn't know anything about it. Okay? Well, later on again that afternoon, when the dollar still hadn't turned up, he asked his brother about it again. And this time, the brother, who was they had been best of friends, he was offended at this, and he became angry at this, and he refused to talk to his brother over this. He became so mad that they, they, they erected a wall or petition through the center of that store, and what was one booming retail businesses became two still successful retail businesses. Twenty years goes by. They don't speak a word. Not a word. Oh, they were good church-going folks, but they didn't speak a word to each other. 
Then one day a gentleman came by. He went into one of the stores that was in one half of the building. This gentleman had been converted to Christ. And it bothered him, it ate at him, that 20 years ago he stole that dollar. And he went to one brother and he said, I, and he told him the story and he gave him the, the, the dollar. And the brother began to weep and cry. He said, please go next door, tell the other guy. And when he did, the other brother began to weep. 20 years of merciless behavior. And these men had grown bitter and bitter and more bitter and would have nothing to do with each other. Their lives, though they were faithful church people, their lives, and they must have been no more than that, their lives did not reflect what Jesus is talking about in verse 7. Mercy. Mercy, because the reality is that when we have obtained this great mercy that has come from God and it has touched our lives, the reality is that though we may not be quick to be merciful with people, we will eventually be merciful with people, but it won't be 20 years later. But we will. We, we have to. We must I tell you, we are, that's one of the moments when we are never more like Jesus than we, we, we extend mercy to those who have wronged us or who we perceive have wronged us in some way. Blessed, happy, happy are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Now that is the word of the Lord. I want us to think about this passage this morning. I got three questions I want to ask of this text. Very simple this morning. Number one, I want to ask what is meant by the term merciful. Number two, I want to ask what this text is not saying. And then number three, I want to end with what this text is definitely saying. And as we look at this text, and as we ask ourselves these questions about this text, as we marinate in the words of Jesus, as we let them seep into our hearts and in our spirits, I would ask this probing question of you and of myself, and it would be this. Do you, do I, do we know anything of this mercy? Do we? The answer to that is of eternal importance. The implications are big. The opposite of verse 7 is also true. The opposite of verse 7 is cursed are the unmerciful, for they will not be shown mercy. So what is this? Blessed are the merciful. For they shall be shown mercy. What, what, what is meant by this term, mercy? 
What is the word? What is, what is the writing of the word? Well, what does it mean? Well, first of all, I want you to understand that whatever this word means, it finds its meaning in the person of God. Okay? It finds its meaning in the person of God. For God, mercy is a quality in the character of God Himself. You know, God is more than merciful, but merciful is God. He is merciful. The Bible says, for example, in Psalm 103, about verse number um, 8, it says this, it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And then the text goes on and says, He does not treat us according to our sins as our iniquities deserve. He does not. God is merciful. We are saved by grace, but because God is merciful, He moved and acted to rescue sinners out of their miserable, sinful state. The Bible says in the book of Titus, chapter number 3 and verse 5, it says, He saved us not according to works of righteousness done by us, but according to His own mercy. That is how He has saved us. And God, being a merciful God, if God has now inhabited us, if Christ, as Paul would use in New Testament language, if Christ is being formed in us, then this merciful characteristic should be forming in us too. If we've been born again. So what is, what is meant by the term merciful? But when you go back to your Old Testament, Old Testament being written in Hebrew, the Hebrew term was one that implied and referred to an emotional response to the needs of others. Now, in the New Testament, the Old Testament meaning is expanded on. Not that the definition changed, but that they have greater light. And what is meant by the term is not simply meaning we have an emotional response to the needs of others, but that, it, that we actually give help to the wretched, that we actually are moved to give help to the pitiful, to the person that is in pain, to the person that has wronged us, to the person... It, it goes from just an emotion to an action. And that is important to, to understand. You see, mercy is very similar to grace. And grace is very similar to mercy. But they are different. And I would, and, and the people differentiate between them in a lot of different ways. The way for this text that I would help you to see the difference between grace and mercy is this. Grace is God's solution to man's sin. 
Okay? Grace is God's solution to man's sin. For the grace of God has now appeared. Okay, to bring salvation to all men. For the grace of God. When Jesus came, the incarnation of Him, what was He? He was the embodiment of grace. For He was the embodiment of grace and truth had come to make God known, the only God. Okay? Grace is God's solution to sin. Mercy extending on that is God's solution to man's misery because of that sin. It's a little different nuance there. Grace covers the sin while mercy removes the pain. Grace forgives and mercy forgives while mercy restores. Grace gives us what we don't deserve while mercy withholds what we do deserve. Mercy means that God, as someone once said, the the personal God has a heart. He has a heart, and that heart is moved to relieve the miserable in their misery. Now, this mercy that Jesus is calling us to extend to those who have wronged us around us, this mercy has two sides to it. Two sides, two sides. On one side, this mercy, this mercy is, is, is compassion in action. So think of mercy as, as compassion in action. We, mercy is something it, it looks, it sees, it sees there's a need there. It, is, it recognizes that need needs to be met and it actually meets that need. That is what mercy does. If all we do is feel really, you know, I feel really bad for this person that did such and such. I feel really bad for them. And if all we do is feel bad for them, we haven't extended mercy to them. You don't just feel mercy. Mercy does something. This is why preacher James says in the book of James, chapter number 2, verses 15 and 16, he says, if a brother is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says... Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving the things needed for the body. What good is that? Rhetorical question he proposes with the understood answer is is nada, nothing. It is no good. If all we do is talk about it. If all we do is talk about it. You see, genuine mercy demands action. Jesus makes that very clear in the parable of of the Good Samaritan. You remember the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10? Why don't you turn there to Luke chapter 10? I want to read these words to you um, from Luke 10. I want you to hear it. See, there was a lawyer that was, was talking with Jesus and, 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 and he was wanting to know about eternal life. And, and Jesus began to talk about, or he began to talk about loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and loving your neighbor. Well, then the question comes up, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus gives this story about a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. And I want to begin reading this to you. Beginning in verse 29, it says, But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and 
departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place, he saw him and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on him oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an in and took care of him and the next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying take care of him and whatever more you spend I will repay when I come back which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers and he said to the one who showed him mercy and Jesus said you go and do likewise 